mean, you've been putting in work for so long. Putting in a lot of work. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Putting in Work, episode 44. Just six weeks till the episode 50 mailbag. Get those questions in with the hashtag 50PIW. would love to see what you have to ask me. You did vote for a mailbag after all, or at least some of my followers on Twitter did. And speaking of anonymous input, I've got the review of the week here from Hustlepuff1997, who says, On iTunes, good podcasts aren't only made by great guests, but through interesting questions and a great host. Jono provides on all aspects every time he records. Thank you very much, and hopefully I've done just that with this week's guest, Alex O'Neill from Irrational Passions. Alex is the founder and editor-in-chief of Irrational Passions, which is a basically a gaming website with a fairly wide variety of content. They do podcasts, they do blogs, they do reviews. In the online community that I'm part of, I think that Irrational Passions is held up as a beacon of what you can accomplish as an amateur, basically, if you work hard at founding and creating something like this on the internet. I'm pretty sure Alex started this website when he was like 17, been going for about seven years and just growing exponentially over that time. But the main thing we're going to talk about with Alex is something he's been involved with for the past few years as part of Rational Passions, but also just personally. He's been doing this writing challenge, writing something every day for 1,000 days. He would have hit it just yesterday or the day before, depending on when you're listening to this which is a huge accomplishment. It's not easy to keep that chain going for so long. Even as a professional writer, you want to take a break sometimes. So he's done that. We're going to talk about that whole experience of writing every day, how much it's improved his work, what he's taken out of it personally, what it's done for his skills as an editor. And we'll talk a little bit more about Irrational Passions itself and his work there. Just a quick note to say I have launched a merch store. You can check it out at Design by Humans dot com slash shop slash putting in work there's about 13 designs up there they're really cool uh, it would be a great way to support the show since it's 100 percent free doesn't make me any money at all it does take up a lot of time so if anyone wants to show their support get in there grab a cool shirt or hoodie or singlet or whatever there's a lot of different designs styles women's children's colors it's all there get in there have a look and hopefully you see something you like so without further ado here is the man himself, the three-hour podcast king of the internet, it's Alex O'Neill. Enjoy the show. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm so good, just because I'm looking at you right now, and that makes my day. Aww, Jonah, I'm getting all flustered. People can't see right now, because <laughs> it's an audio podcast, but Alex is wrapped in a blanket. And uh, looking very toasty over in, in Maryland, right? Yes, in the Maryland of the East Coast of the United States. Mm. And there's a lot less people in your house than the last time I saw you. Yes. I mean, <laughs> there's still like four people in here right now, so it's still like eh, too many, but... Yeah. I mean, for, for people listening who don't know, I mentioned the Extra Life charity stream that I did with six friends. Alex had something like 26 friends. What was the number? Uh, I think it was 23 of us and a dog. And a dog. And a cat, right? And a cat. But the cat hid up upstairs for most of it because he was afraid of the dog because he had never seen a dog so small before. <laughs> well, there's just two of us now, so this is what I call intimacy. Oh, yeah. Finally. <laughs> so, Alex, you are the editor of Irrational Passions. What title do you give yourself? Technically, uh, I use editor-in-chief and founder, both like very high horse titles yeah i'm a big fan sounds very official 
Yeah. So can you explain to my listeners what Irrational Passions is? Sure. It started primarily in 2010 as a podcast, a video games podcast, modeled, if you've ever listened to the Giant Bombcast, it is modeled after that. Like I, mm-hmm. you know, if Call a spade a spade, right? If if you are taking or inspired by another show, I think it's it's okay to kind of model yourself or, or say that out for, up front. So, yeah. you know, we started mostly as just a podcast. It grew into a website, irrationalpassions.com in 2011 and um, it's grown i guess a lot since then now it is multiple podcasts hosted on irrationalpassions.com which is a website about video games but uh, you know i there's no even pitch for irrational passions it is it is a place for opinion and thought and conversation about video games Hmm. but it's not necessarily a place for news or reporting or journalism i would say but but kind of think pieces and and feelings and reflections of those feelings and, and kind of like how games make us feel and, and the conversations around them. And I think the main show, Irrational Passions Podcast, which has still been going for seven years, is a big reflection of that. It is mostly about conversations about games sure. and about news. And was that a point of difference that you set out to make from the start or is it something that evolved as you decided you wanted to stand out a bit more compared to the rest of the content out there? I think we grew into it, right? It started more as like... You know, we do the news and we talk about the games we're playing and we do, you know, whatever segments a video game podcast should have. And like in 2010, like they were definitely like video game podcasts were much longer, more commonly. Now, I think the modern video game podcast is is a bit tighter, hmm. um, typically around an hour. And we have another show on the, the site, a newer show called Input, uh, that is definitely more reflective of that. It's, it is a modern video game podcast. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think we, we grew into kind of being what we are now versus kind of setting out from doing that from the start sure so how do you find your audience along the way was it a slow thing was it people that you were already kind of in a community or a network with or do you feel like you've had some organic growth just through being on the internet and people stumbling across you it's kind of all of the above which is weird it's it's definitely it has been super slow i would say up until 2015, 2014, no one really, still no one really knew or cared what Irrational Passions was. We did some cool stuff in like 2013 and leading up to that. But I think 2015 is when we really hit our stride. I met a lot of people at Kind of Funny Live, the first event. And that like from there, from those people, I met more people that weren't necessarily there or part of that community. But it kind of just being able to really interact face to face with people. Um, but also, like, some people found us through our Persona 4 spoiler cast, right? Which was a big thing. It's one of our most downloaded episodes of the podcast. It is just, I think, a very... It's a good show. Uh, and it's uh, it's one of our best shows that we've done. And it's a... Uh, people... A lot of people have played that game. And I think we had a very good, diverse conversation about that game. <clears throat> and... Some people have found us through that. Some people have found us through YouTube, um, through a series I did called Alex Talks. And uh, some people have found us through other communities. We started in an old video game community called VG Evo, um, which is still kind of around, but isn't really in the same way. Um, like in 2010 and 2011, that's where, you know, our flesh and blood was. Um, and, you know, we still have people that listen from that and follow from that era. So... 
it's it's kind of like all over the place, but it's it hasn't really been a community until 2015, I don't think. Sure. And so with all the variety of content you've got going up on Irrational Passions, what is your role as the editor? Do you have a creative input? Do you decide what gets to go up there? Is it just tweaking what people have done to make it appear more professional? What's your kind of day-to-day duty as the editor? It's a, it's a lot of things. So, like, you know, I I manage the website part of it, too. Like, you know, uh, like the, the back end and, like, the the technical aspect of it so it doesn't crash or if there's something wrong with the server or whatever, I contact our host and, and whatnot, do the boring grunt work stuff. But, you know, uh, we have three main writers for the site, uh, George Cruz, Logan Wilkinson, and Jarrett Green. Um, and they, at first, you know, I would help them post things on the site. Like I would post things for them and then they would be able to post things for themselves. And now they've become kind of self-sufficient, but typically I edit everything that they write on the site. Like I go through, do the basic grammar check, but I also like, Hey, this is how I think you could improve this. And I, you know, I, I try with everyone that, cause we've had a lot of guest contributors, like just volunteer writers come and write things for the site. Mm. Um, like Yusuf McGeed, uh, and Elliot Altland, um, just a couple of names that have contributed things in 2017 alone that, you know, I would sit down and see like, you know, here is how you could improve this. And I, like, I genuinely try and be like a good editor, um, to them, because, you know, like, I can't necessarily pay any writers for IP, and that's a really cruddy thing to do in the situation to be in. Um, but I always sit with people, and I'm like, this is how I think you can make your voice stronger. I try not to be too overbearing about it. I try and just lean into what they do and make what they do better, bring that out of them. But I also, you know, I edit the podcast. Um, I post the podcast. I I kind of help schedule the content. Like, if somebody's got an article or a review... I, I tell them like, hey, this is like a good time for this to be up. It's a, it's a whole, it's it's you know the laundry list of responsibilities. But like, mm. it's nice that you know things like input exist, and like I have no part in that other show, right? They edit that show, they get the website post up, they make the artwork for that all on their own, and I don't have to worry sure. about that. Um, but you know, typically it's it's things here or there that anything I can help with. So are you requesting specific? content like saying hey logan get me a wolfenstein review or whatever it is no i mean i always like i think there are times when they'll send me an article saying like hey i have this idea or i have this concept written up and there have been very very few times where i'm like hey i don't think this is a good fit for the site for people like logan and george that write for the site regularly um they can kind of do they just do free reign of really they write whatever they want if they want to write a review on a thing they write it and i edit it Mm -hmm. and i get it done uh if they want to write an opinion piece about a thing you know they write it i edit it we get it done um it's more like the the contributors that have never posted for the site before like you know i still get occasional emails saying like hey i'd like to contribute to irrational passions how can i i you know that is when i'm a little bit more nitpicky on like the ideas that people send my way and and make sure like it's appropriate for what we're doing because i think you know, we're we're not a, the most unique outlet or independent outlet or small outlet out there, um, but I think we definitely do have a theme to our content, and it's kind of matching up with that. And and if people want to be a part of the team and and contribute regularly and post themselves and all that, I'm always open to that. But you got to just put in the work, as you would say. Uh, I would and, say that. Uh, and and like show that you can be consistent, and then. I will give you the leeway to kind of write what you want to do and and post what you want to post. 
That's cool. So what do you think it is about, apart from being the founder of, of Rational Passions, that's given you the skills to be the editor and to be someone that's confident to say, I think you can do this better or you're not good enough to write for me? <laughs> However you phrase it. Absolutely nothing. I, I have no <laughs> idea why people listen to me. Um, but like, you know, I've worked with editor. I've done freelance work before. You know, I've sent work to editors before and had them give me notes back. And I think that's helped inform me teaching and and like helping improve written structure has always been a core thing that I've been fascinated with. I've done a lot of like yeah. self-taught learning with it. It's what I focused on when I was in uh, college. Being an editor is something that I actually take a lot of pride in. And it's something that I take very seriously too. Like I've helped a lot of people make pieces better. Maybe I haven't helped as well as I could have, but I think I've gotten pretty good at it. Um, just from ex- sheer experience, you know, we had sure. a team of writers back in t- 2012 to 2013 as well, worked with all of them. They all kind of, we all kind of grew together into that. And I, I got a lot of experience from that as well. Um, so I've taken that here in 2017. I still use that regularly. And uh, I write a lot. I write a lot of bad, bad writing too. And like, I know what yeah. that looks like. I think I'm a better editor than I am a writer. And I think it's good. I can help people find what makes them unique, what makes their writing unique and and lean into that and embrace that. At least hopefully I can (laughs) fingers crossed. Yeah, It's a piece of writing advice I like to give that I originally got from the, you know, Mick Foley, the wrestler. And it was that a good writer knows when their own writing is bad. Mm -hmm. And if you can say that you've written something that's not good, that actually means that you have the ability to discern the good from the bad, which is one of the most important things a writer can have. That's good to know. And I'd say it sounds like you've fallen into that category by describing your writing (laughs) as not as good as your editing. Yeah, and like there are some (laughs) things that I've written that I'm definitely like, okay, this is good. And but a lot of the things, especially like you know, Irrational Passion's been around for seven years now. I can go back and pull up a review that I wrote in 2011 and be like, oh boy, whoa man. Uh, so yeah, I know, I know when it's bad. That's good. You mentioned that you've got a lot of experience writing and that's probably what's qualified you to, to do so much editing. We're coming up to 1,000 days of consecutive writing and that's kind of the impetus for inviting you on here. Mm-hmm. I guess it's the angle of the show at least. Tell me about this 1,000-day project, sure. what it is, how it started, how it's been. Sure. Um, so, uh, are you familiar with the concept of Don't Break the Chain? I mean, I understand the concept based on what the name is that you just said to me, but <laughs> sure, I'm not familiar with the background, no. Sure. So apparently it was a thing that Jerry Seinfeld did, um, okay. and I, I absorbed this through a third party, So uh, where he would write a joke every day, and then at the end of the year, uh, he would have an hour-long comedy special, right? And I like that idea, uh, but the concept is, is just kind of doing something every day is it's not necessarily getting better at it, but it's creating a habit of it um, and making it something that is like integral to your routine. So I heard about this on an episode of the video game. Let's play show game grumps um, back in January of 2015. Um, It's like a Pokemon red. Let's fire red. Let's play episode. I don't remember the episode number. If you dig through my blog, you can probably find which one it was where they talk about it and they talk about how they had used it um, creatively to help kind of help with their consistency. Um, and one thing I really liked, Aaron, one of the hosts, he said, for him, he 
the way he applied don't break the chain is he drew something every day um he 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 had an example of like you know even if you open a book and draw smiley face uh and then close it like you drew something that day it's not necessarily about like knowing and seeing that improvement every day but it's about contributing to something and creating something every day and putting that thought Mm. and that effort into it so i was like okay greg miller this loud person on the internet uh often shouts about like hey if you want to write about video games just start doing it every day um let me kind of combine these two philosophies and and do something out of it so i i started writing every day at the end of january 2015 i actually broke the chain in march of that year um, so I've been writing every day since I believe March thirteenth, two thousand uh, and fifteen. And by the time this is out, all things going well. Hopefully, <laughs> I'll have written for a thousand days. And it was—it's uh, been like a very transformative experience. I'll say, like uh, ups and downs along the road because it's been over two years. I there was a point where I was like, I need to stop uh, because it was like this idea, the fear of breaking the chain grew more important like grew bigger than like doing the thing itself every day yeah right um because you know you commit to something so much it's like well what if i mess up what does that reflect on me and it's just kind of like this internal disappointment and so i decided at a benchmark that i would stop and a thousand days was just it seemed like the appropriate time to stop so yeah it's been weird like i don't know necessarily specifically i could i could talk about it a lot that's what we're here for (laughs) (laughs) uh i don't know if you had a specific thing to to kind of pick at but uh yeah it's been a very interesting 1000 days one two years and eight and seven eight months ish did it start off thinking you'd reach a thousand days like what was their initial target the initial there was no target number the thing was i just wanted to get better at it um and so the my chain is write about video games right so i've written about video games every day for presumably a thousand days um at the time of this recording it is 996 days so let's just say a thousand yeah we just say a thousand it's close congratulations thanks man you hit a thousand uh i did it yes um but yeah it 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 started you know like i just want to do this to get better there's no date in mind then i hit a hundred and that was kind of my first benchmark and i wrote a special piece uh, on my hundredth day, and then I hit a year, um, and then I hit two years, and here I am. <laughs> um, but a lot of it is like, you know, I it's funny like looking at my writings for my different moods throughout mm. the thousand days because like I I suffer from depression, uh, and you can see when I was writing because I I've written something every day, so you can see the pieces that I wrote when I was depressed versus the pieces I wrote when I wasn't. Um, and that's been one of the more interesting things as well. Yeah. So it's become kind of a journal as well as a, yeah, you know, a games thing. Yeah. But it, I like it or it's interesting because it is not a, like a, an explicit journal. It's not like a diary, but it is like just reflected in the words and the phrasing and kind of like the subtext there that I can see. Mm. I don't know if anyone else can. But like, so I do this weekly write-up called Sunday Chats um, on my personal blog, kind of separate from IP, just because it's usually not always about video games. So um, even if you, so I, I do that every Sunday where I kind of solicit questions from Twitter and and write about my week. Uh, if you go through just Sunday Chats, you can just see that in that 
style posts alone, you can kind of see like this week or this series of months, like I was very obviously depressed versus the series of months where I was like really high off of some of my creative projects and, and things like that. And I think that's, it's just, it is really fascinating to kind of see that subtext come through. But yeah, it's, it's surreal. So how often do you go back and look at different things you've written along the way? I have so much unpublished work. Uh, so a lot, cause I'll go through, <laughs> cause you know, I'm sure like the, one of the biggest fears or questions would be like, hey, how do you think of something new to write every day? I don't necessarily write something new every day. Typically I'm like chipping away at a, a single post or a project for a few days at a time. So I'll go back through my catalog of things I've written to maybe find things that would like be recreated as a new idea today. Mm. Or I'll like go and rewrite things um, just with a new perspective and new tools that I've picked up as I've written more. So I, I go through pretty often, but I don't go all the way back as often. Like I'm, I'm working on something that'll be out by the time this is out um, about writing for a thousand days, just kind of like sampling some of the pieces I wrote early on versus some of the things I wrote later on. And, and, there's like this one unpublished piece that I really don't like um, that I wrote at the end of 2016. Um, and I don't like it because it is like this very cocky, very uncharacteristic piece of like feeling like I was invulnerable. And I wrote it, and that was my headspace at the time. Like it was genuine. But I wrote it because like I finished i was coming off of this project this video project alex talks that i had written and produced and done like and i think it came out really great uh for the most part and i felt like i could do anything you know i felt like you know i set my mind to something i can do it i wrote all of this for all this time and then i would go on to be like i i had the worst depression i think i've ever had in throughout the year of 2017 so, like, when I go back and read that, it's, like, genuinely kind of disgusting to read. Yeah. And... So, why was that never published? So, like, I was going to... It was going to be kind of my end-of-the-year piece for 2016. Uh, and I ultimately just didn't like the tone of it. I wanted to rewrite it. And then as, like, I, I got deeper into 2017 and things kind of got worse in my personal life, uh, I went back to it and I was like, man, this is not good. Like, this is... It's not that it's, it is poorly written. It is just that I this is a bad tone. Like, I don't want to be seen like this, but I'm curious to like show people a snippet of that just because, you know, that, that was a reflection of where it was at at the time. Hmm. And it was kind of going from like the very highest high of feeling like I could do or create anything to the lowest low of, uh, you know, like writing every day became so hard when it, like I just had nothing, like I had nothing in me emotionally. Um, and it was that change happened in the course of like three to six months. Like it wasn't in the grand yeah. scheme of things, it wasn't very long, but like that pendulum swung the other way very hard. And I just like, I learned a lot from that experience though, of kind of like what that feeling is like. And, and I, I, a big thing I've learned from writing so much is like how important it is to kind of take a step back from your work too and, and kind of reflect on it. How many articles or blogs or, publications have actually come out of this 1000 days of writing when i first heard of this i was thinking that you've published a thousand things but that's obviously not the way that it's been mm -hmm. there's things that take several days of writing obviously before they're published how many pieces do you think you've worked on in that time i would say 
I mean, if if I include the things that I finished that I haven't published a lot, maybe like 400, 500. Um, mm. But published, I probably like close to 250, 300 things. Like if you think of like all six episodes of Alex Talk season three that I did are all things I wrote in this time span. So that's six things. And then like uh, at least uh, maybe 70 Sunday chats. Uh, which are not short by any stretch of the imagination. Mm. Uh, and, you know, maybe uh, 15 reviews and uh, maybe 20 to 30 more articles in there as well. So um, at least I would say close to 200 at least. Um, so a lot. It's pretty cool. That's pretty cool, I think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> and what was the times like? It must have been even if you put aside the mental health stuff, like there must've been days where, for example, kind of funny live, you're so busy, you're so social, there's so much happening. When do you pause to write something in the midst of all of those activities? It's weird. Cause, uh, uh, during PAX, uh, or was, no, it wasn't PAX. It was PSX, uh, 2016. I think I, um, I was in, uh, Trevor Starkey's room and I actually wrote, I logged into my Google account and I wrote on his laptop there. So I was like, oh, I, we got a da- minute of downtime. There was one time I was at a friend's house and it was like, so like, keep in mind, I, there's a little wiggle room with this. I would typically write before I went to bed that night. So, cause I have a very terrible sleeping schedule as you know, uh, yeah. as you've seen my Twitter. <laughs> um, so it's typically like before I go to bed, um, so a lot of, there are, there are a lot of like 1230 AM writing sessions, um, things like I was just like very drunk at a friend's house once. And I remember that I had to write. So I went down into my friend's room, like and alone and I pulled up my phone and I wrote like this weird thing about overwatch, very drunk. Uh, and it's, I thought it was very funny. Um, it's been it was legible. It was pretty legible, which was also <laughs> impressive. So like there there are definitely like odd stories of like finding a corner to sit in and write uh at different times during different events. Um, yeah. And you mentioned like the smiley face with the drawing analogy but would there be like a minimum of what you would consider as writing or time spent or whatever it was for you? Cuz I mean you could just literally write a text message and be like, "Yeah, I wrote something today." Typically it's about 200 words was yeah. was my minimum which i felt pretty comfortable with it was about two full paragraphs or three full paragraphs so sure so what would you say was the hardest part of keeping this chain going like 1000 days it's many many years to my math <laughs> <laughs> it, let's it's many many months anyway and uh you know i was a journalist for seven years so i would and even now working in communications i write every day at work and that's probably the last thing i want to do when i'm at home Mm-hmm. apart from working on books and that kind of thing, is to write when I just don't feel like it. So how did you push through those times? It was different. You know, like a lot of times I would I would think outside of the box, I think was the big thing of like what I was writing. So sometimes I would write like a little personal diary of like what I played that day. Those were, were really helpful. Um, I started like a kind of semi-series on my blog called Quick Thoughts where I would just like write kind of like some jumbled impressions of a game that I was playing at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing I did, I had idea jams where I would take a sentence and write it out of an idea and I would write three. And then over three days I would write a, like a half an article or a pitch based around that idea. Um, and I would break those out. 
Um, and this could be like super weird, like um, one that actually turned into a, a fully written thing was how Undertale is the West World of video games. Um, <laughs> okay. And that's another one I think I'm going to probably sample in this thousand day piece I'm writing. And it's about like, you know, the the kind of weird empathy you grow with these characters in the story of Undertale uh, and that kind of relationship of how you can kill them or you can befriend them uh, and mm. how that, that kind of relates to Westworld, which was something I was watching at the time. So I, I would think weird thoughts of like, how can I like work what I'm watching or what I'm listening to or what I'm experiencing outside of video games into a thing about video games? And I would, uh, those projects would help get me through the hardest days. Like there were some days where I would just like find a review or find a thing that I was chipping away at and, and just kind of work on it. And it was, it's sometimes it's nice to just put your head down in like a, mm. a preview or review, just something very basic or, or something easy and, and just get lost in it too. Okay. And what would you say was the biggest challenge throughout this uh, 1000 day period? I would say probably publishing anything um, yeah. was the hardest part because like when you write everything every day, nothing's ever finished. It's like you become the early access of video games writing. Uh, <laughs> like nothing's ever done. Nothing's ever 1.0. Nothing's ever ready for release. Cause you can always add more. Or you can always change something. Um, so like knowing when to stop on a piece is, is kind of hard. A lot of times, like, things would have a natural conclusion, but I would keep going past that, and I'd have to, like, scale myself back when I would edit it. Um, another hard thing, too, is editing things. Like, when I edit something, I, like, take, like, a, a full hour. I read it twice out loud, once for grammar and the other for content. Um, and, like, the content... Part, it, it's a time-consuming process because I take it so seriously, um, so when you're just nonstop writing, you're just churning things out and never looking back. Uh, and there's a lot of things I just, most of what I haven't published is because I just didn't have time to go back and edit it and, and really turn it into, uh, from like coal to a diamond or something like mm. that. So, so it must be like you mentioned looking back at some of the pieces along the way, it must be great to see how far you've come as a writer in that time. It is. It's like, I've gotten a lot better. There are, like, some things that I write. So there are ups and downs to that, though. Because, like, when you... I, I've I've gotten a lot more stylish, I think. Like, I've, I've found a little bit more of, like, what my style is. But sometimes I'm too casual. And when you write mm. too casually, too often, you just kind of get ruined on that. It's hard to lean back into something that's a little bit more rigid and philosophical. Um, sure. And... And, like, that's the stuff that I think I could channel more when I didn't do it every day because I could kind of give myself some breathing room to really just sit down and just turn out a thousand words in a single day. Um, but, yeah, I, I so, uh, like, I've gotten better, but I've also gotten worse, I would say. Um, my content has gotten better, but the way I say it, the, my presentation has gotten worse in a lot of cases. Okay. And you, you mentioned, like, putting a lot of your mood into the, pieces you're working on is that something you feel like has been therapeutic over those years or were there times where you were just like for your own mental health it would have probably you know take away the chain thing it would have been better to just stop um i think it definitely would have been better to stop at some point <laughs> um which is why i like i had to tell myself like i have to stop like i don't plan on like after i hit a thousand days i'm gonna take like two weeks off 
Um, I'm nice. not gonna I'm not gonna necessarily stop writing every day. I might pick it back up, but like as I've like as writing has become kind of like a checklist t- type of thing to do every day. Like I've stopped doing other things like video editing or audio editing or these other projects or these these pieces of art that I want to make. Um, so that's a that it's it's pulling my my attention away from other things that I want to do because like I kind of poured my creative energy into writing today and I don't have any left for like cutting together a video or working on a new project or something like that. Um, and that sucks. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, it's ups and downs. You, you kind of take the good with the bad in that case. That's why like if I do this again, I would do something a little bit more loose, like, work on something today like you know work on a video working on a written piece work on a like a a new design or something like that sure so out of those 200 or so published articles what would be the one thing that you'd say you're most proud of there's a couple can i do a couple you can get do a couple alex i'll let you do a couple <laughs> so there's one piece uh that i wrote on my 100th day called growing up with a generation it was about kind of so the Wii came out in 2006 when I turned 13. Uh, just put a hard date on that. And so, like, the I would get a PS3 in 2007, which is the year I started high school. When I finished high school in 20... Well, so, like, in 2013, I was um, in community college, and that was when, like, the next generation of consoles started. So I, I kind of went through the majority of my adolescence with the Wii PS3 360 generation. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like writing... A story of like my growth through that generation and through certain games in that generation, and I th- I'm very proud of it. I did an audio version of it as well that you can listen. You can listen to that article. I um I wrote a personal essay at the end of 2015 just about who I am uh, and and my experience writing every day that year, um, and I'm very proud of that as well. It's on my blog, my personal blog, and the only other thing that I would shout out is um. I read a piece about Twilight Princess, which I went back to when the HD re- remaster version came out, I think like 2015 or 2016. Um, and how kind of like that game is like a ghost town where like there are a bunch of, the world is empty, but it's filled with people that feel like they don't belong there. Um, like they're right. ghosts. Um, it's called Twilight Ghost Town. Uh, and I'm like really proud of it because it's kind of like surrealist and it's different than anything else I've ever written. And it was one of those things where, like, as a creative venture, it was kind of meshing different ideas that I had together, and I think it came out really well. So, overall, how would you describe the one thousand day of writing experience? What's gonna? What? How are you gonna look back at it in many years? Do you think? I think it was great. You know, every everything has bad with the good is the thing. Um, I think, like, if you look at my growth as a person and like the empathy I've gained and, and the the different thought processes I've engaged with over that, that time period as well. Like it was for sure worth it by mm-hmm. like no stretch of the imagination. Would I say like it was a bad idea to do it, but also like it taught me a lot about myself and my level of commitment to things and my level of consistency and where my weaknesses are, where my strengths are in writing, but also personally. Um, and it was, you know, I learned a lot of life lessons doing it and it connected me to people in different ways and it 
a lot of people reached out to me and said they started writing every day because of this. And that's like huge. It's super wonderful for me to feel. Mm. Um, I would say like, just know your limits is the big thing. Um, maybe if I did it again, or if, if I could go back and do it again, I wouldn't do it as long, but I would still do it because I think the idea of don't break the chain of turning something into a real actual genuine habit is really powerful like you can really do something when you set your mind to it the only thing stopping you is you right like that was also a big thing of like even though i i wrote this piece about how unstoppable i feel and how i feel like i can create anything and that didn't end up ultimately being true i i still think that you can put your mind to something and really accomplish something that'll surprise you if you if you try and i think that's a that's a really important lesson that i've walked away with so would you recommend this exercise to people that want to improve their writing? And would you recommend even, would you recommend a thousand days? Uh, I probably wouldn't recommend a thousand days. <laughs> I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't actually recommend it to people who want to improve their writing. I would say that might be a, um, a thing that you get out of it, but I, I think that depends on the kind of writer you are. Um, because if you're a poor writer and you're just writing over and over again in a vacuum and you don't see that you're not mm. doing well and you're not, you're not going to improve. Um, so I would say, uh, I would recommend it to people who want to improve themselves. Um, right. like if you have some, like I know as someone who takes a lot of contributions to his website, I know a lot of people that show up, do something for a little bit and then ghost it out. Like they just disappear and like consistency is so hard. And like, it is probably one of the most important things if you, there's so many people that are like, I want to be in the video games industry. It's like, yeah, well, not all of us are going to make it. So it's going to divide the, the ones that are going to make it from the ones that aren't. And I think being able to do something and actually do it, like actually commit to it and prove that Mm. you can do it is a big part of that. And I think an exercise like this can really help people with that. It helped me for sure. Like I am way more committed to just creating and making and making cool things now, whether that be in writing or in other forms and other mediums too. So I think there are probably a lot of people that have consistency issues that would get a lot out of an exercise like this. So to bring it full circle, what do you think this exercise has done for Rational Passions as a website? I think it's it's brought, it's created like a, a mentality uh, around IP, maybe intentional or unintentional, I, I couldn't tell you, but... Uh, I think the people that have flocked to that site, both reader and contributor alike, have like this same kind of passion, um, and it's it's helped like emphasize that passion. Like, rational passion started as just like a kitschy name that sounded good, but like I think it has also grown into something that is real. Like it's passionate, and like passion is kind of the core of the philosophy of the site now. And I think uh, writing every day kind of exercise is reflective of that i think like you can't do that if you don't if you're not passionate about something um and i'm passionate about writing i'm passionate about video games but i'm also i love writing and i love that medium and i refuse to acknowledge that it's dying because i don't think it is um and i think like that has brought people to ip because they they recognize that they feel that and they they also believe in that champion of the written word hell yeah my dude that's good, man. So the last question I'll hit you with, what would you do if you knew you could not fail? That's a deep one. It is. 
I would... I would try... This is such a dumb answer. I'm sorry. I would try to spread that to other people. I think that's something that I try and do now. Mm-hmm. But if I knew I couldn't fail in it, then I would do it even harder. So you're already doing it. I guess. Yeah, there you go. You win. You pass the test. I passed the test. <laughs> I've solved your riddle. <laughs> yeah. Basically, that's the that's the question is, you know, if you're already doing what you would like to do without the fear of failure, then you're winning. Yeah, I mean, you know, like the, that's the whole thing with don't break the chain. Like the reason people don't start doing something every day is because they think they can't do it, but you'll never know if you can't do it if you don't try. That's it. 100% so, have to agree with that. You just got to put in the work. You have to put in the work. Irrationally sometimes. With all the passion that you have. Yeah, well, maybe I'm not the best example to work off. <laughs> awesome. Thanks for joining me, Alex. It's been great. This has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me on. We uh, had a bit of a bet before. Whether mm. your rambling three-hour podcast's uh, nature... <laughs> Would over so would supersede my thirty minute punctual podcast, and we're sitting around forty minutes. So I, think I it's win. Close. <laughs> I think it's closer to my end than to yours. But well, I mean, I tried. You were on topic though. You didn't really go off anywhere. Yeah, I just I just talk a lot. Is this the longest episode? No, sorry. Damn it, Alex and Blessing. There was two of them. They went. Oh yeah, they're, they're cheating though. It's considering I came pretty close as just one person. Yeah. I'm not feeling too bad about that. Thanks for listening. That was Alex O'Neill. You can check him out at irrationalpassions.com. He's on Twitter at ALFighter27. Please head over to iTunes. Leave me a rating and review. You can also check out my merch store at designbyhumans.com slash shop slash put in work. I'm on Twitter at Jono himself. And until next week, keep putting in work.